in the Savior's name to the house of God today. We're here to worship the Lord, and as we think of what has happened on Thursday, we remember the royal family in the passing of our Queen. And I'm sure you've all been praying for the royal family at this time. We have a statement uh, from our presbytery that I want to read to you, and we will observe a minute's silence also. The statement is as follows. It was with the deepest sadness on Thursday evening, the 8th of September 2022, that the ministers and ruling elders and members of the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster learned of the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. As a church, we lament the passing of a monarch who ruled over for over 70 years with dignity, wisdom, and diligence. We thank God for her exemplary personal public conduct as a monarch and for the stability that she brought to our nation over seven decades of her illustrious reign. <coughs> as a denomination, we express to the royal household our sincerest sympathy. Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2 commands the Christian church to pray for kings and for all that are in authority. Therefore, we will be interceding for Her Majesty's family, praying that the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort will impart to their hearts the true consolation of the grace of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. At her coronation service on June the 2nd, 1953, the moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland presented the new Queen with a copy of the Scriptures and said, Our gracious Queen, to keep your majesty ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes, we present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. It is still the Holy Bible that carries the infallible message of God for the royal family, our nation and the entire commonwealth. True comfort in life and in death is found in Christ Jesus alone. The gospel declares, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand uh, to your feet, please. We're going to observe a minute's silence, and then we're going to ask our brother, Mr. Phil Moffat, our clerk of session, to come and lead us to the throne of grace and prayer. Let us have a minute's silence, please.
Let us all pray. Eternal, most gracious and heavenly Father, we're very conscious this day that the heart of our nation hurts at the sad loss of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And Lord, thou art the God of all comfort and all grace. And as a congregation and as a nation, we come to thee this day and we we pray that thou wilt come and thou wilt bless our hearts and our souls. We do thank thee for the long life of her majesty, the Queen. We do thank thee for that promise that she made to the nation those many years ago that I declare before you all my whole life whether it be long or whether it be short, shall be devoted to your service. And Father in heaven, we thank thee that she went beyond the realms of duty. And she served this nation with dignity and with honor. And truly we can refer to her as Elizabeth the Great. And yet, Lord, we're very conscious of those times when she would have addressed the nation. Even at the Christmas season of the year. We think of those many addresses when she spoke of the bedrock of her faith being grounded upon Christ. We thank the Heavenly Father for times when she often referred to Christ being the saviour of this old world. And even as far as just a few weeks ago, we think of how she was able to say that throughout my life, the message and teachings of Christ have been my guide, and in them I find hope. And so, Lord, we do thank thee for the long life of our Queen, for how she has governed us over these many, many decades, and as we have watched the grainy footage on our TV screens of all that she has accomplished in the years of her reigning over this realm. Lord, how those years have passed so swiftly by. Yet, Lord, we are conscious that there is a family in heartache this day. We do pray for the members of the royal household that as they mourn the loss of their loved one, that thou wilt draw graciously near that you will give them the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And grant that in the midst of so much darkness and so much hurt, the God of heaven might draw near and that they might turn their eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, 
that the things of earth might grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Very conscious that grief is the price that we pay for love. And Lord, we ask of thee that you will come and that you will heal even our nation at this time. And as we enter into these days of mourning, when the hearts of so many will have been touched and will, will be so tender, we pray that you will turn the eyes of the nation to consider eternal issues and where they will spend eternity. We're conscious of the brevity of life, of the certainty of death, and even, Lord, of the reality of eternity. Now has brought these very truths before our eyes in these past few days. We are reminded in thy word that we knoweth not what a, what a day may bring forth. And whilst our gracious queen was so aged in this life, it came as a shock to us all. And so, Lord, we look to thee that you will be pleased to be with our nation, even at this time. We think of King Charles III, and Lord, we pray that thou will be pleased to save our gracious King. Move within the confines of the royal household and even in the corridors of power in our nation, we pray. And turn us back to the God of our salvation. Whilst we're mindful of the affairs of the nation at this time, we are very conscious of those who need our prayers within this fellowship. We think of our dear sister Jean. And Lord, we thank thee for thy hand of grace upon her throughout her entire life. We do pray that you will undertake for her in that hospital ward and raise our dear sister to a full measure of health and strength and grant that she might know that underneath and round about are the everlasting arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of Ivor and we thank thee for thy hand upon his life. Thank thee for bringing him through this operation and Lord, we pray that as he returns home to his family later today, that thou wilt go before him. Bless Sylvia, undertake for the girls. Grant that very soon he too will be back in the fellowship here. We do pray for our pastor today as he, in a short while, will open the scriptures of truth. As he will stand before the sacred desk, Open up the oracles of God and preach the whole counsel of God. We're conscious, Lord, that we are living in unusual circumstances. And so we pray that you will be with our pastor today. That he might know the hand of God upon his ministry. That he might know the help of God. And bring to his remembrance those things that thou hast laid upon his heart. And grant that thou wilt be pleased to give him souls 
for his hire. What we pray for ourselves, we pray for our sister congregations and for every faithful witness that holds aloft in truth the bloodstained banner of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make bare thine arm of salvation, sweep many souls into the kingdom of our God this day. Lord, to thee, we be careful to give all the praise, all the honour, and all the glory. For we ask these things in our Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. I was going to say you can remain standing because we're going to sing together, but you can wait for the, the, the opening lines uh, that our sisters will play. We're going to sing together 754. To thee, our God, we fly for mercy and for grace. Oh, hear our lowly cry and hide not thy, thy, thy face. O Lord, stretch forth thy mighty hand and guard and bless our fatherland. Very appropriate to sing this hymn today. <clears throat>
psalm for today is the Psalm 135. I'm going to read some of these verses together. Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. But I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all deep places. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries, who smote the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast, who sent tokens and wonders into the midst of thee, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon all his servants, who smote great nations and slew mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land for an heritage and heritage unto Israel, his people. Ending the reading there at the 12th verse. May the Lord bless the reading of this psalm to every heart. I want to bid you welcome in the Savior's name uh, to help and encourage our friends from Ukraine. We have sought to put the announcements in Russian. Um, we didn't get the help of Anna this time, so Anna, this is just sort of a Google Translate type thing. If anything uh, is wrong, we'll, we'll find out, I'm sure. But we welcome you, the congregation, and those tuning in on the internet. We welcome also Vera, uh, has come uh, just yesterday from Ukraine, and uh, we want to bid you welcome to Balamone, and in particular here to the church at Hebron. So if this lady would like just to stand up, uh, we will give you a welcome to Northern Ireland. Thank you. She's very welcome. As you probably know by now, the gospel mission that was due to commence today in the town hall has been postponed until the 9th of October. And this is out of respect for what has happened on Thursday with the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And so we will postpone it. We're not cancelling it. The, the gospel will be preached. A lot of effort has gone into this, but we feel it's the right thing to do for now. And the providence of God, I believe, that decision was the correct one. We are rescheduling, therefore, four weeks from today on the 9th of October. Please continue to pray between now and then. Our own gospel service is tonight at 7. Uh, the soloist that was to be with us at the mission uh, is coming tonight. Uh, that's Stephen Greer. We look forward to that. And I want to preach on death and appointment for all. Think of the passing of the Queen. And she got to ripe age, ripe old age of 96. And yet she came to a moment when she had to die, despite her position and the honor and the dignity and all that surrounded her in the palace of a king or a queen. She came to the moment of death, and so must we. We're all going to die. 
and I think it's appropriate to remind ourselves of that tonight. Prayer time is 6.30. Monday night is the Whitfield College of the Bible graduation service, and that will take place in Balamina Free Presbyterian Church at 8 p.m. We look forward to that. Jonathan Story, of course, will be graduating. He will be licensed to preach. Very, very important moment for Jonathan, and we want to encourage as many of our own people to go there tomorrow night. We may not have been able to give the same encouragement if the mission was on tomorrow night, so here's an event that we would love you to go to, and I know Jonathan and the Story family would appreciate your presence there. Thursday is the midweek at 8 o'clock, and this midweek will be devoted to a special time of prayer for the royal family and for the nation. What has happened is seismic. Uh, We can't begin to take it in. I think it's just beginning to sink in over the past few days what has happened with the passing of a queen who reigned for 70 years. No one's ever reigned that length of time, certainly not on our throne. And so this is a massive thing that has happened. We want to be in prayer for the royal family. We want to be in prayer for the nation as a whole. And so Thursday will be a special time devoted to that. Friday night is the missionary council meeting. Friday night also week, Friday week, the 23rd of September, our youth fellowship will recommence for a few weeks before the mission. Want to do that? Uh, We are just scaling back that little bit. We're not starting at this this Friday night. Uh, The regular services of the church will take place, but anything starting back uh, will just have that slight delay during the 10 days of mourning for our Queen. Next Lord's Day, the early morning prayer meeting is at 8 o'clock. The Sunday school is at 10.30. We were very glad to see five new children in the Sunday school this morning, and we do rejoice in that. The Bible class, 10.45, uh, Phil is dealing with the shepherd in the shadows, a verse-by-verse study in the shepherd's psalm. The worship service, 12 noon, the gospel meeting at 7, and uh, the choir that was to sing at the mission next Sunday night. Hopefully we'll be able to, to do that for us. It'll be nice to have that, saying they were booked. Lord's Day, the 2nd of October, I'm mentioning this, it's three weeks away, but we want you to keep it free, make sure you do. And it's the sending forth service for our sister, Miss Noreen McAfee, who will be returning to the land of Uganda to serve the Lord there. We thank you sincerely for your tithes and offerings to God's work. Today is building fund, and next week is the missionary council envelopes in the school covenant support. These are the folks that we are praying for, ever in our minds and hearts, and particularly Ivor. Good news is he's recovering sufficiently to let him home today to further convalesce there. Pray for him as he makes that journey. And her sister, Mrs. Jean McCauley, for those that haven't heard, she had a fall on Thursday evening that brought her to Altman Hospital where surgery was performed. And she's now in days of convalescing and recovery also. Both of them need the touch of the master's hand. We think of David and Rachel and their family returning this week from uh, Uganda, having served the Lord there for a period of time. And I want you to pray for Pastor Florine, uh, this dear Romanian pastor who is going 
to Ukraine. He's been many times. He's going with supplies this coming Tuesday. And we've been able to send somebody to help uh, purchase those necessary food supplies and uh, medicine and uh, all those things that are necessary in this difficult time. The last family moves from the church building. Um, Lena, very excited about that. <laughs> so, and there's a story behind that I'll tell you some other time. But anyhow, uh, Sasha and Olya and their five children, they have moved from the church. And I know that Sasha wants to say something uh, to the congregation by way of appreciation. So I'll ask him to come just now and do that with our interpreter, Anna. Thank you. Greetings to you all. I was just thinking that almost six months ago I came here and I was feeling really lost. But our experience the way we were received here, it was like being received by really close people, like family. I would like to show our gratitude to the whole church for your prayers, for help in job search, for helping our children go to school, and for your great patience of receiving us on the church premises. <coughs> I and also we would like to say, please forgive us if we've done something wrong or if we offended you in any way. That wasn't intentional. I'm going to change. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, Let the Lord bless your church. You have become more close than family. They are my, you are my family. Thank you. Thank you. We look forward to the fulfillment of that promise. <laughs> Amen. Uh, it's been a joy for us as a congregation to receive these folks. We, we know where they've come from, and we know that even today uh, there's a lot going on in our hearts when we think of the war. It's not so much in the news these days, but the war is still there, and people are still losing their lives. They still have family and friends back in Ukraine. Some of them have family that are serving on the front line one way or another. If it's not in the army, it's as volunteers. And so we continue to pray for them with all that must be going on in their minds and their hearts. We trust that the Lord will bring a speedy end 
to this war and give peace again to the land of Ukraine. May the Lord bless you, bless all of you personally, individually, as families in these days. We sing together 657, King of my life, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. We'll not sing all the verses, uh, we'll sing three of them, and you'll see the three that'll come up on the screen that we will sing together. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 6 through to verse 16. Our brethren and sisters from Ukraine have the notes as that they can follow, God willing. And thank you, Anna, again for the translation. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, 
and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed only Ponentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, who no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen and amen. We'll bow together, please, just for a moment in prayer. Let's seek the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for helping us through this service thus far, for worship and praise and honor that we have sought to give to the Lord who sits upon the throne of heaven. As we sought to think about the royal family today and to pray for them in their distress and sorrow, and also to challenge our own hearts. And we do pray that we'll feel more and more of that as we come to the word of the living God this day. As we think of the subject that we want to speak upon, Lord, we're asking thee to speak to every heart, everyone that's sitting here, young and old. Don't let one leave without hearing from heaven today. We've always counted a meeting vain if we come to church and we leave the same way. But we come to meet with God. We come to sit at the feet of the Savior. We come to learn from Thee. And Lord, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We pray that He will sit with us, that He will teach us, that He will instruct us. And right now, fill this preacher with strength and power and wisdom and unction to bring the message of God this day. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the phrase is mentioned in our reading here in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15. The queen is dead. Long live the king. This declaration has been seen throughout the nation over the course of the past number of days. In fact, I saw it on our local newspaper. If it wasn't yesterday, it probably was the day before. Beside a large image of the Queen in her youth, at the end of Crimea Street, a message read, the people's Queen is dead. Long live the Queen or the King. Ladies from the Shankill Road were 
were interviewed by, by the reporters, and they all testified to how they felt in their sorrow. And they said, we feel as if our grandmother has passed away. I wondered a little about this proclamation. The king is dead. Long live the king is actually the original. But I discovered that it's rooted deep in history. This phrase is a traditional proclamation that is made following the ascension of a new monarch in various countries. The king is dead is the announcement of a monarch who has just died, just passed away. Long live the king refers to the heir who has immediately come to the throne upon the death of the previous monarch. So it's not surprising that it might appear on posters or on headlines in newspapers. In fact, upon the death of Elizabeth's father, King George VI, in January 1952, the 25-year-old Elizabeth became queen. And the headlines read, The king is dead. Long live the queen. And now, of course, it's reversed the other way. The queen is dead. Long live the king. These past few days have been days of mourning and reflection. News programs ran with the story of her majesty's death almost 24-7. Queen Elizabeth II reigned for 70 long years on the British throne. One of the headlines carried by BBC News simply read, Queen Elizabeth II has died. And under that headline, there were some very poignant details. Queen Elizabeth II, the UK's longest-serving monarch, has died at Balmoral, age 96, after reigning for 70 years. She died peaceably on Thursday afternoon at her Scottish estate, where she had spent much of the summer. The Queen came to the throne in 1952 and witnessed enormous social change. Her son, King Charles III, said the death of his beloved mother was a moment of great sadness for him and for his family, and that her loss would be deeply felt around the world. He said, we mourn profoundly the passing of a cherished sovereign and a much-loved mother. I know her loss will be deeply felt throughout the country, the realms, and the commonwealth by her countless people around the world. During the coming period of mourning, he said he and his family would be comforted and sustained by our knowledge of the respect and deep affection in which the Queen was so widely, widely held. We mourn the passing of our Queen. The Queen is dead. We thank God today for her long life and her long reign as our Queen. She conducted herself with great dignity and wisdom and impartiality. Immediately upon the passing of Queen Elizabeth, her son Charles automatically became king, King Charles III, as his title is. This was officially ratified, as you know, yesterday at a service at 10 o'clock. With a new sovereign sitting on the throne of our nation, I think it's good for us to 
remind ourselves that we have God-given responsibilities to our new king. This is particularly summarized by the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 2. These verses have been very much upon our minds in these days as God's people. Let me read the opening verses to you. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and in fact the opening four verses. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will of all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You might like also to keep in mind the words of Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And I thought of the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And those are passages of Scripture that you as Christians want to keep in mind as we think of the ascension of Charles to the throne of Britain. I want God's people here in Hebron to remember our King. I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God Almighty will make him wise. I want you to pray that God will give him understanding every day of his reign. That God will reveal his will to Charles and that he will obey it. That God will bring him to respect and obey the laws and the commandments of the Almighty. And most of all, that God will lead him in the paths of righteousness that he might be saved. I suppose our national anthem, anthem will now change. God save our gracious King. And we trust that that will be so. More than anything else, before and above every other need in Charles' life, and any man's life for that matter, is the need to be saved by the grace of God to come to a personal saving faith in the only Redeemer of his people, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross for our sins. Tell me, do you know him? The sadness has come across the nation with the passing of our Queen, with the ascension of a new monarch, King Charles III, to the throne. Tell me this, do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Are you saved? It's a good time to think about these things. Do you know the Lord? There's nothing more important for you whether you live or whether you die. Like our queen, you will come to the end of the journey one day and you will pass from this scene of time through the portal of death into the infinite expanse of the great eternity of God. And, and what then? because that's all that really matters. It's not how, how old you are when you come to die. 
It's not how likable you have been. Whether you're liked or not doesn't really matter when it comes to eternal matters. It's not how, how rich you have been in this world or how kind you have been. It doesn't matter what, what family connections you've had. Rather, in the words of Job chapter 14 and verse 10, where is he? That's all that counts. No matter your background, no matter who you are, where is he? For Job, in the light of death and the fact that that one day we're going to reach that line that no man can cross, we're going to die. He said, man dieth and wasteth away. Man giveth up the ghost of the soul. Where is he? Where is she? There's nothing more important than that, dear friend, today. So we say today, long live the king. We have a new king. Respect his office and pray for him often. As we come uh, to recognize a new king ascending the throne, I want to draw attention to the one who is continually on the heavenly throne and exercises supreme authority in this land. In fact, he rules in heaven and on earth. He governs the nations. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And I am referring to the one who bears the high and the honorable title, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The phrase King of Kings is recorded just six times in the Bible. Three times in the Old Testament, three times in the New Testament. The three times in the Old Testament refer to ordinary men, mere men, men who ascended to earthly thrones and they became a great king. And in the eyes of the world, they were not the, but a king of kings. One is Artaxerxes. And we read about that in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 12. And the other one, and is twice mentioned in the scripture, was Nebuchadnezzar, Ezekiel 26 and verse 7, and Daniel 2 and verse 37. One of those references, it's the Lord that's speaking, and it's the Lord that calls him a king of kings in this earth. And the other reference, it is Daniel who is speaking in such terms. However, there is only one person who assumes this title in all its truth and application, who is the king of kings. The definite article now being inserted to refer that there's only one who really has this title. And we've got it here in our text, 1 Timothy, and the chapter 6 and verse 15, where he, at the end of this verse, is referred to as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The other two references that we have in the New Testament are both in the book of Revelation. Revelation uh, chapter 17, verse 14, and chapter 19, verse 16, where the Lord Jesus has this title attributed to him. So today, as we mourn the passing of our queen, and we recognize the enthronement of a new king, I want to draw your attention to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is above all others, infinitely so. He is the one before whom we walk in this world. 
and he is the one before whom we will stand in the great judgment one day. We may not have had the opportunity and the privilege to appear before Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth or her throne, and we may not have the opportunity to stand before Charles's throne, but be well assured we're going to stand before this throne one day, the throne of Christ, the judge of all men, and we're going to render an account to him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Three thoughts that I want to leave with you in closing. I want to say, first of all, he is the sovereign king. Christ, sitting upon his kingly throne, he reigns supreme and sovereign over all. Great kings have large dominions, as Nebuchadnezzar, one of the men that I mentioned, had a large dominion. 127 provinces belonged to him. He reigned over that vast, vast area. Jesus Christ has a great and an extensive kingdom. He exercises all power in heaven and in earth and in hell. He is the head of all principalities and powers. There is no higher king than him. In fact, he has supreme Lord. In this earth, he sets up one kingdom. He pulls down another, including the kings and the queens that will occupy the thrones of those kingdoms. There are many references in Scripture to this absolute rule of Jesus Christ and his preeminence over all other rulers. For example, in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 23 and 24, <coughs> it says that bringeth the princes to nothing and maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. And the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. That's a reference to Christ. That's a reference to his supremacy as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Here it is proclaimed that the Lord brings princes to nothing. And he makes the rulers of the earth emptiness. The mere breath of the Lord will carry them away as stubble. It is to this king that every knee shall bow one day. Every ruler of the world, from every country, and from every period of church history, or history, in fact, will bow one day before this king, and they will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. Scripture tells us that, as you know, in the book of Philippines. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that includes all the kings and the queens and the rulers of this earth. Perhaps you do not recognize the kingship and the lordship of Christ now. One day you will. You will. You refuse to bow the knee to him. You refuse to own him as your savior and as your lord. 
You refuse to submit to his righteous laws. You refuse to obey his commandments. You refuse to live according to the rules of his kingdom. One day you're going to bow before him and you're going to confess this one that you have denied, this one that you have refused and rejected. Jesus Christ is Lord. In a very special way, of course, he is king to his church. Think of those lovely words in the Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, and the last three verses, 21 to 23. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to his church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Oh, Jesus Christ lives and he reigns within our hearts today. If you're a child of God in this meeting and you're part of that church, you're part of the body of Christ. He is the head. He is the king. Praise God. He lives and he reigns within. And it is with joy and I trust with honesty that you and I, as the people of God, can say today, king of my life, I crown thee now. Jesus is my king. He's my Lord and I submit myself to him. I trust that's your sentiment in your heart. Now, we know that not all things are brought under his feet just as yet. Scripture tells us that. But one day they shall, and the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Oh, the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, the sovereign king. But I want to talk to you just for a moment about the suffering king. This king of kings suffered and he bled and he died for his subjects, his own dearly beloved people. In Pilate's judgment hall, he stands before the governor who asked him the question, art thou the king of the Jews? To which the Lord replied, as you may remember, thou sayest. Of course, he was the king of the Jews, and he's the king of all his people. The trial continued for some little time, eventually culminating in Pilate's question of all questions, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? With one resounding, clamorous cry, the, the crowd shouted out, let him be crucified. And Pilate handed him over. The blessed king of kings to be crucified. The soldiers stripped him of his clothing. They dressed him up in a mock robe of scarlet. They forced him to hold a reed in his right hand as a mock scepter. They plaited a crown of long eastern thorns and they pushed it into his brow as a mock crown. And they bowed before him and they scorned him as king. The Savior is pushed and he's shoved all the way to that skull-shaped hell crag called Golgotha. And there they stretched him out upon the cross 
and they nailed his hands and his feet and they lifted him up to die. This king of kings, this lord of lords. Just come with me for a moment or two and stand in the shadow of Calvary and watch Jesus die. The suffering king. And then see if there be any sorrow like unto his sorrow. As Jeremiah put it so well in Lamentations chapter 1, which prophetically, of course, speaks of Christ. The sorrow of all sorrows that is now brought to bear and brought to be felt by Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords there at the cross of Calvary. Oh, the King is dying for me. He pays the ultimate sacrifice for my sin. He takes the wrath of God on my behalf. I say to you, behold the suffering King. This King has died that you might live. Have you come to know Him? Have you trusted in Him? Can you say, this Jesus is mine? Can you say, I am my beloved's and He is mine and His banner over me is love? The suffering King. And then have one final little thought I want to set before you as we close. He's the soon coming King. This King of kings and Lord of lords is sitting now supreme upon his throne in heaven where he ascended to prepare a place for his people. But he's coming again and he's coming soon. This same Jesus proclaimed the angels to the bewildered disciples as they stood gazing up into heaven as the cloud received Christ out of their sight at the ascension shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Hallelujah, he's coming again. Our queen is dead. She's not coming back. Every other king and queen and ruler who have ever walked in this earth in former generations and have died, they're not coming back. And all the ones that are alive today, one day they will die and they're not coming back. They will remain dead until the resurrection. But Jesus is coming back. It's his guarantee. It's his promise. The night before his death, as his dear disciples were seated around the table, he says, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Oh, one day the trumpet is going to sound. There'll be great commotions in the sky. Jesus is coming again. The dead will be raised. Those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up together at the sound of that trumpet and the, the great shout of the archangel. The king is coming we all say as God's people, hallelujah. But I want to ask the question as we close, are you ready for his coming? The King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's the sovereign king. He's the suffering king. 
He's the soon coming king, but are you ready for his coming? So important. That's what Jesus said when he preached the great sermon about the end of the world and his coming again. Be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. If you're not ready, I implore you, in the light of our nation's sorrow and all that has been said and will be said, prepare to meet thy God. Let us pray. Lord, we rejoice in the one who bears this glorious title, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Thank thee for all who are in this church building today and, and others that are listening in uh, to the service who are in Christ, who have come and they have submitted their way unto him. They're born again. They're washed in the Savior's blood. They know Christ as Savior, and because of that, they own him as their Lord and as their King. We have bowed the knee, and we readily confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess this very same statement. Only for those who die without Jesus Christ, it'll not be the statement of their faith. It'll be simply a statement of reality, recognizing that the one that they rejected, the one that they turned away from, the one that they refused to submit their way unto is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Lord, we pray that you will touch hearts today, that you'll awaken souls to the reality of, of eternity and the need to be ready for death and for the coming of the Savior. We pray that every unsaved person in this church building today will be spoken to, not by this preacher, but by the Holy Spirit, who will take now off the divine word and write it indelibly upon their mind and their heart and their conscience and do that work in the application of divine truth that will bring sinners to Christ, that will bring them under true conviction of sin and bring them to saving faith in Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hear this our prayer for Christ's sake. Amen. Closing hymn is 102. Come sinner, behold what Jesus hath done. Behold how he suffered for thee. They crucified him, God's innocent son. Forsaken, he died on the tree. And why did he do that? This, this king crucified, as the chorus tells us, to save a poor sinner like me and you. Please think of the words as we sing.
our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Gracious Father, dismiss us with your blessing. On this day when the nation mourns and we mourn here in Hebron, the passing of our Queen, we pray that you will speak to our hearts and help each one to prepare accordingly and to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords.